and one, two, three, four. Listening and learning from four lepers. This, um, this story, this story about the lepers is one of uh, my favorite passages in the Tanakh about faith sharing. <clears throat> there are two or three passages in, in the Tanakh that uh, I use for this. Exodus 18 is another. And this one has much to teach us. We need to listen. We need to learn from these four lepers. And there you see this picture, rather well done, of the lepers now. They're, they're, if you looked more closely, they're now beginning to plunder the, uh, the encampment of the Arameans. First of all, there's a plight in this story. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, I told you about this uh, earlier. This is from the previous chapter. A woman cried out to him, help my Lord King. He said, if Adonai isn't helping you, how do you expect me to help you? There isn't any grain, there isn't any wine, so I can't help you. Then the king asked her, but what's troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give me your son so that we can eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, give me your son so that we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. What a horrible picture of a desperate, desperate, desperate plight. So this story presents us with a plight. It also presents us with a plan uh, from these four lepers, marginalized, despised, excluded individuals. Now, there were four men with Tzara'at at the entrance to the city gate, and they said to each other, why should we sit here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city, then the city has been struck by the famine, so we'll die there. And if we sit here, we'll also die. So let's go and surrender to the army of, the, of Aram. If they spare our lives, we will live. And if they kill us, we'll only die. They got up towards the twilight to go to the camp of Aram. But when they reached the outskirts of the camp of Aram, they saw no one. So we have a plight, a terrible plight, a plague even. And we have this plan. Then we have, of course, the plunder. When these men with Tarad reached the outskirts of the camp, they entered one of the tents, they ate and they drank. They took some silver, gold and clothing. They went and they hid it. Next they returned and entered another tent, took stuff from there. They went and they hid that. They're just drowning in plunder. An entire army's camp has been abandoned. Uh, and uh, much of the goods have been left behind. So we have a plight, we have a plan, we have plunder. Then we have the participation. Finally, they said to one another, what we're doing is wrong, man. I just, I'm stunned by this. The, the moral conscience of these men who were starving to death, they still 
can say, what we're doing is wrong. At a time of good news like this, we shouldn't keep it to ourselves. If we wait even until morning, we'll only earn punishment. In other words, if we wait until morning, God will consider that to be still insulting to his standards. We, we should not wait another moment. We'll only earn punishment. So come on, let's go and tell the king's household. So that's what they do. So that the king's household and all of the city of Samaria can participate. So <clears throat> what are the problems? Not only what are the problems with them, but what are the problems with us? Because this story is not just about them. It's also about us. We ourselves are citizens of a world that is dying is of a famine for the word of God and a famine of relationship with God, a world that is perishing in its emptiness. We have, I love the fact that this story uses the term good news, Besorot Tovot. It's uh, the very word that we use for the gospel in, in a Hebrew translation. They said, this is a day of good news. And uh, so this is very much a story about us. We ourselves have come from this uh, a context of tremendous need. We ourselves have come to experience the plunder of God's great goodness to us. But there are problems. Sometimes when you want to share good news with people, you will run across unbelief. The gatekeepers called and told it to the king's household inside, the good news. Then the king got up in the night and he said to his servants, I'll tell you what Aram has done to us. They know that we're hungry, so they've gone outside the camp, hidden in the countryside, saying when they come out of the city, we'll take them alive and then we'll get inside the city. So you're going to encounter, when you try to share this good news with people, you're going to encounter unbelief, lots of it. Don't be surprised and don't be discouraged. It's the way it is. But there's another problem. It's unavailable due to, due to a word. Here's a word that I've only learned recently, asidia. Asidia is an ancient word. It comes from the Greek. It means apathy and inactivity in the practice of virtue. Uh, it's personified as one of the deadly sins. Uh, Asidia is something that afflicts us all, me and you. Asidia is an apathy and inactivity. We know what we ought to do, but oh, let somebody else do it. Oh, I don't know enough. Oh, we're, we're spiritual too often, not always, and not all of us, but too often. As a matter of fact, I will say, too often, all of us are spiritual couch potatoes. We know so much more than what we do. And when it comes to sharing the good news, I guarantee you that's true. So we have a problem of the unbelief of the people that we try to go to reach. Just as the king was unbelieving in this story, he didn't believe it. 
we have the problem of our own unavailability due to us to our acedia, our apathy, our inactivity, our indifference. And then there's ignorance. There's the ignorance of the fact <clears throat> that, you know, you'll run across people who've been believers for decades, 20, 30 years. You ask them if they ever share their faith with anybody and they say they don't know how. I don't know what to say about that. But it's a curable disease. So let's go beyond the problems to the point. We are the lepers. We, you know, I, I think of the passage in 1 Corinthians that God has, not, has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the people who are nothing, to bring to nothing, to, to bring to nothing the things that are. We're the lepers. We're, you know, not many of us were the hotshots in our families. Some of us were, but many of us were not. We are the lepers. We're the ones with the disease. Uh, uh, we're part of a city, of, of, of a context that is uh, in desperate need. We are the lepers. The world is Samaria. That's the context of, of great need. That is uh, in a desperate situation where it's dying. The good news of Yeshua is the plunder. We have good news to share. Good news, which has saved our lives. Good news, which we feed upon. Good news, which we delight upon. But too often, as with the lepers, too often it's good news that we hide. We run and we hide it. We hoard it. They at least realized this is wrong. We can't do this. So what is the right thing for us to do? That's my question. First of all, Let's pray against unbelief. You're going to encounter unbelief in your family, in your friends, in anybody. Don't be surprised. Don't don't be discouraged. Uh, this should, this is uh, this is what we expect. You're going to encounter unbelief, so pray against it. When it comes to the Jewish people, it says that the, that the, that that the Jewish people's eyes are veiled, that they they don't see. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who believe not, lest they should see the light of the gospel of, uh, of the glory of God in the face of Yeshua, the Messiah. But we can pray against it. We can also fight against our own acedia, our tendency towards indifference and indolence in spiritual matters. The word fight is probably, uh, it's not a bad word, but uh, in, a, in another sense, we just need to somehow drop it. We need to, we need to abandon it, abandon our own indifference and indolence. Just turn away from it. That's what repentance is: turning away from certain things towards other things. We need to turn away from our own indifference and our own indolence, and we need to learn by trial and error how to overcome our own ignorance about faith sharing and what it means. It's, now, most of us know far more than we practice in every area. As a matter of fact, I would say all of us do. All of us know far more than what we practice. So we ought to put it into practice. And to the extent that we're inexperienced in faith sharing, that's a forgivable sin, and it's a curable disease. 
if you're if you are are inexperienced, well, get experience. Uh, give it a shot. If it doesn't go well, then ask yourself, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Or what can I do next time that will be better than this? Um, learn by experience. That's the way everyone does. And so, this is a very simple message. For me, the story of the four lepers is an obvious, for us, an obvious parable of our responsibility of sharing the good news of Yeshua with people. I, I want to just say one thing in closing, and that is, I don't want you to share the good news out of guilt or anxiety not out of guilt and anxiety. There are some people who get so down on themselves for not doing this that they share out of guilt and anxiety. It doesn't go very well because that'll come across in the way you communicate to people. It's not about you. It's not about your guilt and it's not about your anxiety and it's not about your relationship with yourself. It's about realizing we have the best news possible. We have... Uh, to give to people, not simply, I'm not thinking about fire escape from hell kind of theology. I'm thinking about the richness of relationship with God. I'm thinking about the kind of, of richness of life that brings you here at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Why do you bother? Because there is something in relationship with God that makes it, uh, makes it, rational for you to come here and invest yourself in this. Well, we want to share this richness with other people. We want to share with them the plunder. So let's not share out of guilt. Let's not share out of anxiety. Let's not share out of self-condemnation. Let's share out of enthusiasm for what we have to share. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you that we are the lepers, that we are the ones who marginalized most of us in our lives. Uh, we are the ones who, beyond our wildest dreams, have discovered a richness beyond telling. And I do pray that we would, we would identify with these lepers who, to their great everlasting credit, said, what we're doing is not right. We need to share this with other people. But help us, Lord, not to share simply out of guilt, out of anxiety. It's not about us. It's not about making ourselves feel better. It's about uh, the enthusiasm that we have. How can we keep this to ourselves? I'm reminded, oh God, of another person from Samaria the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4, when she met Yeshua at Jacob's well. And uh, she gradually came to understand that Yeshua was not just an unusual Jew who would talk to a Samaritan woman, but he was a prophet. Then she discovered that Yeshua was a Messiah. 
Then she left her water jar at the well. She ran into the city to bring everybody out. She didn't do this out of guilt or out of anxiety. She did it out of joy of what she had found, and she shared it with others. May we learn from these four lepers at the gate of Samaria. May we learn from the Samaritan woman. And may all of us go out and by trial and error, learn to be good ambassadors of the riches that we have found. We ask this with thanksgiving and expectation in Yeshua's name. Amen. I think that deserves an amen. Okay, let's see what